everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. You know, I came in Tuesday, and I found this little beauty sitting all the way to the front of the church here, uh, blown off by the wind uh, from one of our beautiful redwoods that sits out in front of our church. Later on that morning, I read from John 15, Jesus talking about abiding in him, and it struck me that any branch that is removed from the trunk is in immediate danger. Now, you can't see this very well, uh, but I took a look at the end of this branch here when I first walked in on Tuesday, and I thought, I'm just going to keep this branch and see how it holds up to Sunday. Now, especially on TV, and there's a sermon in itself, this looks pretty good, right? And even on pretty close inspection, smells like a branch, looks like a branch. Yeah, it looks pretty healthy. But what we know is this, that when you are disconnected from the trunk, you are immediately dying whether you look like it or not. You are already withering. Now, here's what's powerful. This one looks fine, but it's starting to die already. And this detachment, the, de- the detachment of this branch, will affect future generations of redwoods. Here's why. This was a pregnant branch. See these little seedlings? There's several on here that because it's off of the trunk, it will never produce. Now, let that be our little opening lesson for us, that it is vital that we stay connected. I love the song we just sang. I love getting caught up in what we're singing and doing that I forget that I'm on next. That's sort of the mode I felt in this morning. That we would be like Mary who chose the one great thing, which is to sit at Jesus' feet and just soak him in. Savor the relationship, not be looking and distracted by so many things. If you're a parent today, if you're a child today, if you're an aspiring parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're a Christian, stay connected to Jesus. Your unity to Jesus is life to you. You won't see it right away, but go about life detached from the trunk and you're already withering and actually preparing to die. We're in a series called Everyday Bible, and I have no plans for spitting up chewed food today, but I make no promises. You never know what's going to happen on a Sunday morning. Predigested food is great for babies, but for the rest of us, We grow by eating directly from the food source. We grow by figuring out how to hold a banana, peel a banana, prepare a banana in different ways and eat it directly, not having someone else chew it up for us, partially digest it for us, and then hand it to us in easy to swallow ways. So reading the Bible, praying, trusting God, These are done by every Christian. Those aren't just the varsity Christians. Those aren't just people preparing to go into full-time ministry. This is for every Christian. And you can't do it by proxy. You can't do it through someone else. Are your parents strong in the faith? Awesome. Be thankful for that. But they can't pass that on to you. We all are called to a direct relationship to God through Jesus Christ. And so these are things all of us, old and young, do, every Christian. In fact, the program for growth is that we would feed directly from the scriptures. We would pray and hear directly from God, that we would trust with our decisions, our emotions, and not have it be through someone else. So my challenge to you, my starting point is this, get with the program and stay with the program. Unless that sound like crack the whip, it's, it's get excited about that. This is the path forward. This is the walking discipleship path that Jesus has for us. I said this last week, and I've been mulling this over. I think this is so important. 
We are to read the Bible for ourselves, but don't read the Bible by ourselves. Reading the Bible for yourself means no matter how old or young you are, get your Bible open and look at it. Actually read the words for yourself. There's a a mystical, magical component here that when we do this for ourselves, we are engaged in a way that is different than just hearing someone else uh, say it to us. But don't just read the Bible for yourself or, or, or by yourself. Reading it for yourself doesn't mean you're all alone. God's given you parents and roommates and friends and community groups. God's given you pastors and teachers and authors. God's given you all kinds of mentors. But most importantly, and I came across this this week in my reading, so awesome, John 14, 26. Jesus promises, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and he will... Uh, give you, will, will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Do you hear that? Christian, you have a direct download from God via the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. The Trinity, the triune nature of God is spoken of here. Jesus the Son speaking about God the Father sending God the Holy Spirit. And what's the role of the Spirit? He's our helper. He's here to teach us all things. And to call to mind, to bring to our remembrance the words of Jesus that are life to us. Last week, I was going to tell you three hurdles and four helps. I only got to three hurdles. So if you've had a struggle of a week, I'm here to help. We're going to get past those. But we talked about some hurdles to this. Today, we're going to give you four helps to overcoming some of the challenges in Bible reading. The Bible is readable but it requires effort. Remember that Jesus gives us the eternal food, but we're to work for the eternal food that lasts forever. See John 6 for that. The hurdles are spiritual, they're practical, they're intellectual. That's just three different kinds of categories. There's others, but there are also helps to reading. There are helps for this, and I want to talk about sort of the allies that we have this morning. So if you're taking notes, uh, download those, and the first three, I just filled those in. That was last Sunday's message, Um, and now we're going to move on to the four helps that we have. Helps to overcome, or vaya con Dios, and what what that means is go with God. I love that because God's on the move, and He wants to take you somewhere. Come as you are. But don't stay that way. Don't stay stuck where you are today. All right, the first one I'm going to have introduced by video. So take a look. Bible 101 for dummies. Perfect. Mm, One more. Let's see. Full comprehensive Bible reading. Great. Okay, so the very first help is this. Start now. I'm going to break this down really simply. I hope these helps are like, yeah, I can do that. So the first one, write this down. It's start now. That's the first help. 
Um, maybe you've been like Erica, right? You've been in her place. You've been reading about the Bible. You've learned how to understand the Bible. You've even been inspired by some music or other testimonies on why re- Bible reading is so valuable. But then you don't actually read the Bible. Uh, by the way, prayer is the same way. Isn't it easier to talk about prayer than to pray? I mean, small groups, don't you find yourself sometimes sharing prayer requests and talking all about the things we should pray for and then spend a tiny sliver of time actually beseeching the Most High God to come down into our life and give us the help and insight and guidance and comfort and rebuke that we need? Man, that's so much where I find myself. So here here it is, ready? Get past the planning and just start. Simply start reading the Bible. Again, there is something powerful to you reading the Bible for yourself. Yes, there are times for instruction on how to get more out of the Bible, on how to actually enjoy the Bible. In fact, it's what we're doing right now. We're taking four Sundays to give instruction like this. But there is no substitute for actually reading the Bible. So simply get reading. In fact, the plan of action today I was, uh, or for, for this week in our community groups, it, I always try to give something to sort of like, how do I put this, how do I put feet to this? There's one simple one. Look at it in your notes. It's read the Bible. That's it. Don't do anything else. Don't set up a plan. Don't do all these things. Just get going on it. Um, do you know when the best time to start reading and applying the Bible is? Think about it for a second. That's right. Years ago. That's the best time. The absolute best time is years ago. This is true of any kind of harvest. You're super hungry for apples. Last week it was artichokes. By the way, I found artichokes. They're at Lenardi's, $6.99 each. So you might want to wait for the price to go down. It's like gold. It's like eating pure gold right now. Um, So you want apples. Best time to to plan for, for getting apples is like months ago. Plant a tree years ago. Plant a tree so it produces apples. It's like this with every harvest. You plant and tend to trees years or months ago. But here's the second best time. The second best time is right now. So if the best time to start reading and applying the Bible was in another season of your life that would have prepared you for now, the second best is right now to just get going on it. If you look back on godly lives, this last Wednesday was my dad's homecoming. Uh, I was there, I was holding my dad's hand when he took his very last breath. And my dad was one of the godliest guys that I knew. So I've been thinking about him a lot this week. But when you look back on godly lives, they weren't always like that, were they? Godly men and women that you know, they started some season long ago, and in due time, they grew to look more and more like Jesus. The attractiveness that emanates from godly people that we love to be around, that is developed in due season. The same laws of the harvest physically in the created world are true spiritually as well. So a rich godly legacy, the harvest becomes evident over time. These are lives that delight in the statutes of God, and keep them carefully by reading them, by mulling them over and meditating on them, by treasuring God's instruction. Listen to what Paul wrote to a younger pastor, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 4, 7. He writes this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. This one sentence has just like inspired people for generations. Don't you want to say that on your last day? Don't you want to stand confidently and say, yeah, that's where I got to? How did Paul do this? He didn't get this done by leaning on his own understanding. Remember Paul's story, Saul of Tarsus? Leaning on his own understanding? He was absolutely opposed to the things of Jesus found himself working really hard to do exactly opposite of what God wanted. Found himself on the wrong team. So how did he fight the good fight? How did he finish the race? How did he keep the faith? God's word was his ongoing 
companion. I know this from many, many places. I feel like I know Paul because I've, I've read him and walked with him and learned from him. But listen to just this one passage in Acts twenty twenty seven, where he's departing a church and he says this, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Paul preached the whole Bible. Paul gave it all to him. He didn't give just the parts that tickled their ears, made them happy, was like little spiritual Twinkies. He gave it all to them. Why? Why did Paul not shrink back from declaring the confusing parts, the boring parts, the hard parts, the things that just don't seem to add up even in his own mind? Here's why. I believe because Paul got started with it, found it so reliable, trustworthy, and effective that he never got away from it. He experienced that in his own life, and he passed that on to others. There's nothing better to feed your soul, nothing sweeter to bathe your imagination than the Bible. So don't settle for just a little. Don't settle for sometime, someday in the future. Start today. In fact, I would say this. For some of you, it's an act of faith to pick up a Bible, to flip over to a digital tab on your iPad or phone and start reading again or for the first time. Maybe you've never done this or maybe you've tried that before and it didn't work or it ended in disaster or it just got frustrating or boring. Here's what I'd say too. Don't wait for the ideal time or when you find time. Ever fall into that trap? Let me see if I can find time. Uh, most of us don't have spare time. In fact, it's bizarre in the shelter-in-place pandemic where we're not sitting in traffic, we're not driving all over the place. Many, many people I talk to, and myself included, I find my days shrunk and my time escape. I'm not sure how that happens. We always think, man, if I just didn't have this hour-long commute, I would have loads of time for Bible study. How's it going? I mean, really, how is that going? Maybe it's going great, and you go, wow, that was genuinely true. I think a majority of us, though, if we're honest, and we just take a simple inventory, we go, wow, I've, I've been watched uh, several shows on Netflix. Um, I've done this. I don't even know where my time goes. That's sort of the nature of it. So don't wait for the ideal time. Don't try to find time. Take time. Steer it. Some of you are great at budgeting your money and terrible at budgeting your time. If you know how to budget money, you know how to budget time. It's planning in advance where that money is going to go. It's taking your time and saying, what needs to be in here? What are the big rocks that need to go in first? And then let all the other stuff kind of fill in around it. So just take time. Steer your life. Set aside a time and a place. By the way, I resisted this one for a long time. All kinds of studies reinforce this truth that you actually your brain is moldable it's changeable the whole idea of habit forming when you do something at the same time in the same place over and over and over again it actually recreates pathways in your brain such that when you get to that place at that time it's like you're awakened to doing that and it starts to feel odd that you don't do that that could be doing anything now, how much more to have the Spirit of God calling to you to hear His voice, listen to His voice, and feed on the Word. So set a time and place. If you're a variety person like me, mix it up a little bit, but there's huge research behind the idea of just finding that time and place so that it begins to form a habit for you. All right, that's number one. The second one is start with prayer. Do you hear the word start twice? Start with prayer. Due to our heart being so important, what you do before you even open your Bible is actually most important. I'm going to let Andre share a little bit. We were talking about ideas on Tuesday, I think, for this message, and he shared this, and we thought, man, we just need to put this on video because this is what we're talking about. So take a listen. Hello, NBC family. Today, I wanted to share something with you that happened to me when I became a Christian. You see, every time I picked up the Bible to start reading, I will get this weird emotion, this weird feeling, this weird sensation of wanting to go to sleep. 
In fact, every time I couldn't sleep at night, I will pick up the Bible and start reading for two or three minutes. And sure enough, I will be falling asleep right away. Um, I wanted to share this with you because maybe you struggle with reading the Bible as well. And I remember at that time a message that I heard um, that if there was somebody to struggle with that issue, to open up his heart and really ask God to give you that drive, that passion, that desire to read his word, to listen from what he had uh, to say to, to all of us. And that's exactly what I did. I remember praying to God, you know, opening my heart and say, God, you know that I struggle with this. Will you give me the passion, the desire to read your word and not only to read it, but uh, to value it and to be able to apply it in my life as well. And you will not believe, but the change that happened in my life was 180 degrees. I remember after that coming, you know, from work and not wanting to do anything else, but go to my room and start reading the Bible. <laughs> I remember even my wife said, what happened to you? Now the only thing that you do is read your, read your Bible. God gave me that passion and that desire. And I now enjoy being on his word. And even though I struggle reading other things, the Bible is one of the things that I really enjoy and that I desire day to day to do, to do, uh, to read the Bible. So um, if you are in that uh, position right now, my suggestion, my, my advice to you will be to ask God to give you the passion and desire to read his word, because it's not only a book that you're reading, it is also spiritual, and um, you need God even for that uh, to be able to break through and to be able to start having that um, as a daily routine, as, as a time that you not only have to do it, but you get to do it, and you know a, a beautiful time that you get to spend with our God. So remember, it's not only physical, it's also a spiritual thing. So let's ask God to give us that desire. Okay, so start with prayer. Andres really highlighted the last week's number one hurdle. It's spiritual, right? It's this spiritual thing. He actually highlights a practical one as well. Uh, if you put on your jammy pants and dim the lights and lay down on a soft pillow in your awesome bed with your Bible, maybe don't do it there. Maybe that's why you're doing it. Oh, you're doing it 1130 at night after a long day? Change it up. Go do it somewhere where taking a nap would feel really awkward. So there's just practical things that we can do with this as well. You know, there's such power to, before you open the Bible, um, to, to, just, to just doing a little mini reset right then and there and, and to reframe what you're doing. It's, it's, again, I've just seen this in my own life over the years and talking to many, many people about this, that Bible reading, the good act of Bible reading can become something different. Doesn't eating become something different for us in some seasons of life, right? We're going through some struggles and we reach for food. Food can be a comfort to us. Food can be a giant victory to us. Some of the people who are, who are most fit, they're so dominated by food and talk of food and thought of food, and you're really going to eat that, and do you know what's in that? And all they talk about is food, and I go, wow, your, your, your God can be your stomach, whether you're the most fit person who limits their calories, or whether you're grossly obese. So food and eating can become something really unhealthy, and Bible reading can twist into all kinds of weird things. So starting your Bible reading, getting in the habit of just centering your heart before the Lord and saying, God, meet me here. I found it really helpful to, to just review truthful statements about who I am, about what's happening in the world, about what I'm about to do, and just call those out. Like here's a for instance, 
before I open my Bible, before I tap my reading plan. God, I am your beloved child. Right now, I'm your beloved child. Sometimes I call that back to God. I already know that. He's told me that. He's shown me that. He's given me a sense of that. My spirit says yes and amen. Other times, I say, God, I need to hear again. I'm your beloved child, right? Tell me that's true. Sometimes before I open the Bible, I just say, God, you are on your throne. And you've been working all night long without my help. You don't need anything from me. It's that verse that Lucas just got done reading. You don't owe me anything. I can't possibly help you doing anything. And yet you invite me into partnership. How exciting is that? Over and over, you can just write these down. I want to be near you. You're my daddy. I want to I I have my eyes on you and imitate you. So help what I'm about to do. Show me what I need to get out of this. It's a spiritual exercise. God, you are with me in this, so help me. Please stop and ask God for help. I'm yours. Show me. Remove distraction. Close my heart to sin. Open my eyes to the wonders of your word. And here's another prayer to to pray. God, I'm bored. God, I'm stuck. God, this feels like drudgery or this whole spiritual faith nonsense just annoys me right now. Now again, instead of just going, okay, and plowing ahead, maybe the best thing you can do for your Bible reading and your life in God is to stop and go, God, would you show me what this is about? Why am I so annoyed sitting here? Why does it every time I sit here, the kids start fighting, the phone rings, I get an ulcer? What's happening here? And begin to sort of lean into that. Stop and ask for God's insight, his instruction on how to move forward. It may be that you need to stop and listen to a song. It may mean the best thing you do is go take a walk. Maybe you just need to open up your Bible and start reading. Maybe you need to go do a secret act of service. Maybe you need a nap. We're holistic beings. So figure that part out and pray before you get into it. All right, let me give you another one. By the way, oftentimes I will read, wander in my mind, come back to it, read, feel distracted or let my mind wander over here because that idea got me thinking about something. Come back. And again, some days I just find myself soaking in it, rapt attention. Other days I'm all over the place. And I just keep coming back and saying, God, I want to sit with you. And so sometimes I feel like, like, you know, young adult son talking to, to my father. Sometimes I feel like two-year-old son spilling stuff and getting all over the place and yanking on the beard. So uh, let me move on. Number three is this. Celebrate what works for you or you do you, okay? Celebrate what works for you. Here's what we know. God wrote another book called Creation, right? Is creation readable? Absolutely. No special requirement. Open your eyes think about stuff. That's it. Creation is readable. Now there's all kinds, you'll never get bored. There's always more to learn and study and discover and and helps to give. All kinds of parallels, by the way, reading creation as to reading the scriptures. But I bring up the book of creation to show that God loves diversity. God is a creative God. Isn't it interesting that, that we all enjoy different kinds of things, different kinds of food, different places to go? Oftentimes, one person who enjoys one type of vacation finds that exhausting. And so they get to figure life out together and go do life together and figure out what recharges you and what, what makes you smile and what makes you happy. Celebrate what works for you. We asked our church this week to take a selfie uh, of the place they most love to read the scriptures. Thank you for putting these in. Take a look at what we got.
I'm just going to leave that picture of Gria running uh, there for a second because that's pretty awesome. Thanks, Gria, for submitting that. Um, you do you, Gria. Um, it's so cool to see the different ways and places people like to read. I happen to be over the beach, so I clicked a selfie there. doesn't mean I only read when I go over there. That would be exhausting. I wouldn't read much. But I love seeing just like sort of young and old and different places and all of that. And, and we celebrate that. Um, if you are just starting or if you're stuck, I would encourage you, just open your Bible for the sheer joy of conversing with God. Sometimes we're driven to the Bible out of need, right? We, we're, just, we're just arrested by anger. And so we go, God, help me break free of anger or lust or judgmental thoughts or whatever it might be. Uh, other times we're looking for direction. So we say, what does God have to say about that? I think that's great because those appetites stir in us and make us work for the food. We, we go find it. We ask questions. We dig. We hunt. And there's growth in that. But sometimes you'll find yourself reading along and you'll get stuck. Um, I, every other year, would, would uh, I haven't done this now for a couple years, but I would track my miles in bike rides so that I would leave my house on January 1st, and then um, digitally, I would track a Google map, I'm a nerd, over to Times Square by the ball drop one year later. So that's roughly 3,000 miles, and I kind of know the route, and I would get to, uh, you know, the city of Elko, and I'm like, okay, sweet, I'm on pace for what I need to be doing. And I love that, because it made my same boring routes that I ride all the time, it would kind of bring them alive, like I'm progressing somewhere. But you know what happens is sometimes by the end of that year, I'm sort of burned out on tracking my miles, and bike riding has become drudgery for me. And so sometimes I go for bike rides, and I don't have my bike computer, I don't have anything going, and I just ride like a seven-year-old kid riding a bike. I get to see that every single day. My seven-year-old kid rides her bike all over the place. And you know what she's doing? She is not tracking her miles. She's not seeing if her pace is higher or lower. She couldn't give a rip about calories burned. She is smiling ear to ear, and she's just riding her bike. And I love that picture. I, and so sometimes I just, I, I, just, I just need that scripture reading where I just go, God, I just want to read. Like, I don't want to progress in my plan. I don't want to look for anything. It's what we just saying. Just, I just want to hang out with you. And that can be really, really refreshing. Listen to Psalm 119.18. It says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Who's the psalm writer talking to? God. Whose law is it? It's God's law. He's the lawgiver. So God, open my eyes so that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And I love to return again and again to Psalm 119. It stirs up in me things that are true in my life and aspirational prayers that I go, I want that to be true in my life. Now, some of you may love or hate reading plans. We have a large family, so some in our family love it when dad comes and says, let's do a reading plan together, like hot dog, let's do that. I love checklists. Let's check things off. Let's get it done. Let's make sure that we're systematically going through something. Others just clam up and go, oh, that makes me feel so terrible when you say reading plan. Don't even say it. La, 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 la. So you may love it or hate it. You may love digital versions of Bible, or you may hate digital versions of Bible and be all about the old school with pens, paper, highlighters, all that kind of stuff. You may love or hate journaling, simply recording what you're finding and putting it down so that A, it lodges in your brain, and B, you have a bit of a track record. Here's what I would say to all of those things. You do you does not mean you do what's comfortable for you. If you only ate what's good for you, according to the younger you, how much energy would you have? How much ability would you have to fight off illness? How effective would you be at walking one city block, much less living your life for an entire day? You wouldn't be good at any of that because you'd be stuck in little young you who thinks differently about food than you do years and years later. So you do you doesn't mean do what's comfortable for you. It means what is right for you in this time. Ask this question of people around you. Hey, what are you doing for your quiet time right now? 
What are you doing for just sort of your spiritual practices? Ask that question. I love hearing this. I love asking that question, and I'm so encouraged um, because I I love hearing people's response. Sometimes people are just like, oh, that's kind of convicting. I'm not really doing much right now. And so that might be an encouragement. But many times I love to just hear what God is taking them through, and I love the diversity of that. In fact, it actually sparks creativity in my own self. When I'm talking with someone else, sometimes I say, hey, I was just talking to someone else. This wouldn't float my boat at all, I don't think, but they do this. Maybe that will help you. And so I love hearing that. So just ask that question. Let me show you uh, a couple of, of helps um, I just went through my office and was kind of looking through some some different things um, that uh, that I've that I've had over the years. I do not like sitting still. I I naturally like in the flesh. I don't like sitting. You you say as a school uh, student, hey, write a paper. I think that's terrible. Give a speech. I'm like, cool. Act something out. Great. Make up a song. Okay, that sounds fine. Go do PE. Awesome. I'm all in. Sit still and write a paper. Ugh. Read a book on your own time and then come write a paper. It's terrible. I hated all of that. That is not me in the flesh at all. But let me show you something. I have this little discipleship helps. This was old school when I got it. I mean, that graphic looks like the original Pete's logo from the 60s, um, but it's just a daily quiet time and journal. And what it has, it has some little helps in here. But the thing I wanted to show you is this. This, this this and this are just four days worth of reading. It was a little help. I did this probably as a late high school, early college student. I put the date, I put the scripture, and then it says uh, just, you know, what, what, what God has said to me through this. Is there anything I should do? And I just jotted down some thoughts. And this little, this little exercise, what it did was it just began to, to kind of grow in me, nurture in me some habits that aren't naturally my own. So that's, that's one little thing. We have this book here at church called 30 Discipleship Exercises. I have handed this out to many of you, many who've moved away. We have gone through this together. It's saying, hey, you're a baby Christian. Awesome. There are some basic things. Let me get you started on your way. It's a really good little tool and help. I pulled out my old um, student edition uh, life application Bible that was given to me uh, by a friend. And inside of this are so many different helps. And, and just re- remembering where I was, reading and having little snippets of commentary. I always tell you, church, read first and most the Bible. It's eternal. It's written by God. So read first and most the Bible. And then there are other helps that come and offer supplements. Listening to sermons, awesome reading little commentaries, reading snippets in a Bible that kind of helps you understand what's going on. Great, those are so good and helpful. So it's fun to kind of flip back through here. And At the start of each book, there was a reading plan where I could check things off. I began to see in me that I actually like knowing I've read that whole book. I actually like reading the overview, kind of what's it about? What are the highlights before I start trudging through so I can keep that in mind? These were huge helps to me. There are huge helps out there available to you as well. So you do you. All right. Um, let me let on Angel uh, introduce our fourth help right here. So take it away, Angel. <sighs> okay, Lord. Talk to me through your word. No, 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 this one doesn't count. Again, again. (sighs) Yes! Thank you, Lord. You have spoken. Feed me. Feed me, Lord. All right, so the last one is this, evaluate, remember to evaluate. Surely God must smile when we approach the scriptures this way, when we approach God this way. It's sort of the you know, slot machine approach. You pull the bar and it comes up, Malachi, okay, one, okay, 14. All right, that must be it. 
You didn't even know Malachi was in the Bible, but you go find it, you read it, and then you try to you know, live your life off that piece of daily bread. Um, I would challenge you, church, grow up from this. Grow on from this. Vaya con Dios. Go with God. I think he smiles at this because there are all kinds of attempts my children make to sort of participate in adult life. And it's so cute to sort of see that. One of my kids confided in me, he said, Dad, when I do this, I feel so grown up. I'm like, yeah, isn't that cool? It's like you're starting to kind of get there. But this is a childish way of approaching the scriptures. It's also not all that helpful. It's amazing because we've all heard a testimony of I just opened the word and God gave me this verse. That's great, and I don't negate that. I don't negate that happening. I think God, of course, can do that. But grow up from this. Surely not. that is not the way that you're going to feed yourself moving forward. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says this. It says, but test everything. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Man, apply this to your Bible reading. Apply this to any spiritual practice that you're doing. Test it. If things aren't working, ask the question, why? Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Is this me? God, is this? Church isn't working for me. Is church irrelevant or is it me? Is something going on spiritually? Help. Test everything. Hold on to what is good. So stop and ask how it's going. Ask God. Remember, the Spirit will teach you and guide you and remind you from John 14. Ask others further down the road. Ask your community group mates. Ask your family. Ask someone in your life that you respect. And just say, hey, can you help me along here? Um, You know, I go golfing sometimes, and uh, I pay money to do it, which is an odd thing, because often it's just a very frustrating experience. But I actually really like golf, and when you you swing a golf club, um, one of the unique things about golf is, on occasion, you can hit the exact shot that a a pro would, would, would hit. In fact, you can play the same course. It's kind of wild. But it's so rare that it happens, right? Most of the time, there are shanks and slices and hooks and dribbles and, you know, just worm burner. I mean, all kinds of shots. There's a whole vocabulary on bad shots. And there's kind of like one thing, nice shot. We don't need to say it much because it doesn't happen very often. But when I shank a shot, when I, you know, dribble it off to the left, you watch golfers, they're dumbfounded. They start messing with their hands a little bit. They, they slowly take the club back. This is beautiful when they look at the club like it's the club's fault. Come on. But if you're a smart golfer, if you want to get better, if you want to progress, you evaluate your shot. What did I do? Oh, there's a giant divot two feet behind the ball? Huh. Maybe I'm hitting behind the ball. If you're really bold... You'll ask your playing mates, hey, do you see something going on with my swing? I have a rule. If you golf with me, I will not offer you advice unless you ask for it. I just don't. Many people don't want advice on a golf course. In fact, it's not helpful on a golf course. But you evaluate, you pay attention, you look at what's going on. You don't just blindly keep doing the same thing over and over hoping it gets better. You duplicate what is producing progress and you eliminate that which is causing shanks right? And guess what? There's a growth pattern to this. You make little adjustments. Sometimes you overcorrect. So each season brings new lessons for you. We, we, we all know this as parents, right? What worked raising our two-and-a-half-year-old is not working with our four-year-old. In fact, what's working on your 10-year-old quarter one, you'll find is not actually working quarter two. Lazy parenting says, well, let's just keep going with that because it's expedient and I can get on with my night. But by quarter three or quarter four or the next year, the, the, the cracks are being seen. So we are constantly changing we're constantly growing and saying, what new skill needs to happen? What am I, what am I doing that, that, that needs to change? So, so it is with Bible reading. What worked two years ago may not be working the same. 
Doesn't it stand to reason that Jesus is on the move? And so even the way that, that, uh, that, that we experience life, the scenery is ever-changing, right? So how we hear and do what he says must grow as well. So how great to evaluate this. How great to even just have this as a part of the conversation. How great to remind one another of this. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. Examine yourself, test yourself, evaluate what's going on. Not just if you're in the faith, but if you're growing up in the faith. Remember what it says in 1 Peter 3? Doing these things keeps us from being ineffective with the knowledge of truth. And unfruitful with the knowledge of truth. The best test I know of for spiritual growth is simply obedience. Am I doing what I'm learning? Am I living what I'm reading? Am I actually living like the Bible describes. Let me tell you something. If you ever find the commands of Jesus a joy, take heart. Stop and eat a cupcake. That's cause for great rejoicing. The flesh is no help in finding joy keeping the commands of Jesus. Zero. That is the activity of the Holy Spirit in you. When you have sweet moments, stop and savor that and say, I see it, Jesus. I'm progressing. Stop and look around, enjoy the view from where you are. Again, you want to get really risky? Ask those that you live with. Ask those closest to you. Hey, I'm learning about this in the scriptures. I'm really trying here. Do you see any change in me? Please, if you ever get asked that question, hold that carefully. Hold that like someone just gave you their unboxed brand new iPhone Pro or something. iPhone, right? Just, hey, here, like, let me hold that carefully. Don't be flippant about that. Take a risk and ask this. Husband, wife, roommate, friend, what are my weak spots? I'm reading and I, I keep growing in these areas. I know there are blind spots. They're blind because I can't see them, but you probably can. What are those? Man, again, that's a really risky thing. But how precious when a a community group, when when a group of friends, when churchmates, when housemates can get to a place where they can ask these questions and help with one another. Remove the log out of your own life so that you can see the speck in your brother's eye. Doesn't mean don't ever take any interest in your brother. It means get your big old log out so that you can be careful to come in and help that person. Here's a really risky one. Hey, what's it like living with me? Oh, man. Now again, careful. Careful asking it. Be in the right frame of mind. Careful receiving that question. Only give what will build up your spouse. Only give what will build up your child, your roommate, your friend. All right. What I'm going to do is this. I'm going to take the rest of this sermon, um, and I'm going to sort of trickle this out in the weeks ahead as little intro uh, videos to things, because there are some other helps that I think will be really helpful. But I close with these two thoughts. Here are two. I hope these helps, by the way, will go with you for the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. By the way, I'm well aware there are many, many other helps Let this be a conversation. If you want to log in and put in the live chat some things that have helped you the most, by all means, please go and do that. But let me give you two more thoughts that you can just kind of hold with you. Number one is this. Come with faith and humility to Bible reading. Come with faith and humility. I've just noticed in my own life and the life of others, the Bible doesn't really open up and unlock its treasure to those who are filled with cynicism and pride. If you are coming to the scriptures looking for the holes, if you are coming to the scriptures to add to your kingdom that you're in charge of, it will remain closed. We all know why food goes flying when this guy eats, right? Plug your ears, kids. It's because he's not real. Some of you are like, who is this? It's Cookie Monster. Google it. Um, He has no actual tongue to taste food. 
He has no esophagus to take food down to his stomach. He has no stomach to digest the food. Some people come to the Bible and they sort of do it this way like Cookie Monster. In fact, Jesus calls out those who ate and who probably ate more of the scriptures than anyone of their day. And he said, you search the scriptures, not realizing at all points to me. In other words, they were getting the facts, the details, they were memorizing it, they were putting commands on other people, but they weren't digesting it themselves. Come to the Bible simply to gain facts. Come to the Bible simply to be varsity Christian and check things off because that's your type of personality and it's like chewing without really eating. You will not see the benefits. James 1.21 says this, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Here's the second thing I want to say. Don't just come with faith and humility. Choose in advance who is boss and that you will yield to what you discover in the scriptures. Receive with meekness the implanted word. Come to the scriptures ready to say, God, whatever you want to show me in here, I decide in advance. No matter how hard it is, I trust that it's a word from you I trust that it's eternal. I trust you're capable of preserving your message to me and I will do it. This has been some of the the biggest life decisions I've made that have set the course of my life have come through reading the scripture in this manner. Coming and saying, God, no matter what it is, I come with fear and trembling. It says, I just meekly receive what you have. I will do what I find in here. All right, there are more resources I'm going to get to in the weeks ahead, uh, but let me pray you on your way, and then we're going to go out just with a a joyful song in our hearts um, as we leave. God, thank you that this is as simple as opening your word and tasting and seeing it. And God, I thank you for the process that goes on, that when we open it and read it for ourselves, it stirs up questions, it stirs up emotions, it stirs up light in us. God, it stirs up the whole gamut. I pray we would do things with that. God, I pray we'd write down our questions if there are words we don't understand, if there are little footnotes that send us to other places of Scripture. God, keep us curious children that say, I wonder what that's talking about. God, I pray that olders among us, olders in the faith among us, would have vibrancy to their spiritual life. God, as they are asked these questions, that we'd carve out time for one another, that we'd see this as our most important work to receive the words that come from you, faithfully apply them and digest them for ourselves, live in joy of that and the tension of that, and then walk with other people through that. God, there's so much life to doing that. I thank you, God, for someone last week coming up and proudly saying, hey, I got my first Bible. I got a Bible and I'm reading it. Oh, that's so encouraging to my own faith. Thank you for that, God. Pray your blessing on us as we look to read your words for ourselves. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen.